This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Um, recently, um, <clears throat> I took the church that I pastor through the book of 1 Peter from the beginning to the end. And uh, I thought, if you guys are going to have me come more than once, uh, I thought I would give you a taste of that, um, which I think is extremely relevant to the day that we live in. Uh, we live in a hostile world, don't we? We live in a world that is hostile to our faith as believers in Christ. And Peter was writing to believers who were experiencing a hostile world. And so I think that the message of 1 Peter is something that we need to hear in days in which the world is hostile to us. Um, let's go ahead and read our text. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It brings us life. Lord, you use your word to call us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that would be obedient to your word. Lord, give me strength as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin with the introduction. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's who is writing this book. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, we know who Peter was. One of the twelve apostles. But not, just not any of the twelve apostles. It was the, he was the first one to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, wasn't he? Whenever Jesus was, asked, or was asking, you know, who do men say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus called Peter um, the rock, right? We can debate about that. I'm not going to go into that. That's not my point. But you know, we know who Peter is. Peter was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was, he had, he, he was one of the inner circle that, that, um, that uh, uh, was one of those who was most closely uh, trusted by Jesus in his earthly ministry. 
And he, he, he identifies himself here as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, what is an apostle? An apostle is one who is sent. The word there uh, means to send. So an apostle is one who is sent with the message to proclaim. And so as Peter writes to those early believers and as Peter writes to us who are here today, we need to understand that the words that he's writing down are words that Jesus wants us to hear. They're not just the words of men, but this is God's Word. This is what Jesus wants Peter to say to us because he is an apostle, one who's sent with the message that Jesus sent him to preach. So when we look at 1 Peter, let's understand this is what Jesus wants us to hear. Next, he says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, and he names off several different churches. A um, couple of things here. The church is scattered, right? Uh, it was scattered back then. They were, they were exiles. They were, they were scattered all over the place. They were dispersed. Um, uh, there's a couple of different things historically this may refer to. Remember at the early church. In the early church, they were staying in Jerusalem until what happened? But persecution came. Persecution came and they began to spread out and the gospel began to go beyond just Jerusalem, but to Samaria and Judea and Samaria and, and to the uttermost ends of the earth, right? Um, that's what we see in the, gospel, in, in the, in the book of Acts. Um, also, uh, we, we know from church history uh, that there was a time in which um, there were some political uprisings in Rome and uh, the, the Caesar was blaming the Jews on, on this political uprising. So he, uh, he would have seen no distinction, this, this, uh, this um, Caesar would have seen no distinction between the Jews and the Christians and he just dispelled anybody that uh, claimed allegiance to the Jewish God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, he, they, he dispelled them all from Rome. And so these cities here that, he may have been, that, that Peter was writing to may have been uh, people who were dispersed away from Rome at that time. How does that relate to us? Well, we're living in a day in which believers are scattered all over the earth, aren't we? Believers in every continent... Antarctica, well, maybe, maybe some scientists that are uh, down there studying are believers in Jesus. Uh, we've got believers everywhere, but we are, we are scattered all throughout the world and we are exiles. This world is not our home, right? You, like the old country song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, right? Um, now, in a way, we are at home. We were made for earth. And one of these days, Jesus is coming again, right? And, and we're going to be raised to new life. And we're going to reign with Him here on, on this earth in a new and re, a renewed and restored earth. That's the way I understand the end times. That when He comes again, he's going, to, he's going to set up His earthly kingdom and we're going to, we're going to reign with Him. Okay? Uh, but at the same time, uh, we live in this world now as exiles. We are citizens of another kingdom. Our king is at the right hand of the Father, and we live by his rules, and we live in the midst of this present evil age. We live in the midst of a world where the principalities and powers are against us. And our loyalty and our allegiance is to our king, Jesus. Amen?
We live as exiles. We live as if we are living in little embassies of the kingdom. Waiting for our king to come whenever he takes over and he puts all of his enemies under his feet. We live as exiles now waiting for the time when he comes. And we, it also uses the term here, elect. Now we get scared at that word, don't we? <laughs> we, get, we get, well, but it's in the Bible, so we can't just pass it over. Um, I'm not going to get into any philosophical speculations about, uh, about this, but I do want to point out one thing. When Peter here uses the word elect exiles, he's giving that as an encouragement, saying, God chose you. The world may be against you. The world may be hostile. But God chose you. You're His. So he's writing to elect exiles of the dispersion and he names all the different places. Um, We stand in that same position. We live in a world that's not our home. We're citizens of another kingdom. God has chosen us and we're His. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. Here we see that all three persons of the Trinity are involved in our salvation. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience of Jesus Christ. Okay, All three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in our salvation. It was the Father's plan from before the foundation of the world that He would save you and me. It was His plan from all eternity that He would save you and me. That's a comforting thought, isn't it? According to the foreknowledge of, of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. What's the Spirit's role in our, sanctif- in our, in our salvation? He sanctifies us. And, and there's two, two ideas in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the concept of sanctification. One is, is becoming more like Christ. He's, he's making us more holy. Right? He's, he's, as we become believers, we're, we're becoming more and more like Jesus as we grow, as we study the Scripture, as we meditate on Him, as we pray. He's, he's sanctifying us. We're, we're putting away sin and we're following Him more. And so, in that sense, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. And also, the other aspect of sanctification is it's set apart. Right? And the Spirit is the one who withdraws us from the world. I mean, He plucks us out of the world. We were once blind. We were once lost. We were once in darkness. And it's the Holy Spirit that whenever we hear the Word preached, He plucks us out. He sets us apart. The Holy Spirit does that in our hearts. So, the Father plans our salvation. The Holy Spirit applies our salvation. And we're saved for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. There's two aspects here. I'm going to go with the second one first. For the sprinkling with His blood. How did Jesus save us? He gave His blood for us. We proclaim it every week. Here in this church, we proclaim it every week whenever we partake of the bread and the 
Grape juice. <laughs> right? We proclaim it every week at points to how Jesus shed His blood for us. And we were saved by Jesus' blood. That, that He gave His life for us. That He was crucified on a cross. And, and, and we were... He, he, he was like the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice that was sufficient for eternity. There was no longer any kind of uh, sacrificial system like in the Old Testament where you had to keep going with a lamb or with a, with a calf or any other kind of animal and just slaughtering that week by week, year by year, having to atone for our sins. But Jesus was the once for all sacrifice so that we could be forgiven of our sins. So we were saved for sprinkling with His blood. He, he saved us by giving His own lifeblood. Are you washed in the blood? Right. Are you washed in the blood? The soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's what this points to. And then for obedience to Jesus Christ. We didn't, he didn't save us so that we could then just go off and live however we wanted. He didn't save us so that we could just have some kind of fire insurance and then just forget about God. He saved us for obedience to Jesus Christ. If He saved us, He saved us with a purpose. He has called us to be His disciples, to follow after Him, to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. So all three persons are, of the Trinity are involved in, the, in our salvation. One, the Father planned it. The Spirit applies it to us. The Son died in our place. And it's Him that we obey. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now this is mentioned in, this is, this is a phrase that we see in all, a lot of letters, not just from Peter, but also Paul and others. Uh, this phrase, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And it's easy to just kind of skip over that and think, well, that's just introductory greeting, right? But it's, it's important. It's, it's, it's spoken like a prayer. May this be multiplied to you. And let's remember, let's reflect on what those things are. Grace. Grace. Grace is when we get something we don't deserve, right? It's a gift. Peace. Peace. When we become more aware of the grace that God has given us, then it ought to cause us to be, have peace. Knowing we've been reconciled with God. We no longer have to fear Him. But he, Jesus has made peace with us by the blood of His cross. May those things be multiplied to you. May they may we become more and more and more aware of the grace that He has given us in Jesus and the peace that we, that, that we can experience because of knowing that Jesus lives. That we've been forgiven. Now we come... To the latter parts of uh, this. The, the, this was Peter's introduction that we've looked at so far. And we're getting now into kind of some of the meat. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a doxology. Okay? We sing the doxology. Um, 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bursting out into praise. And, and that's what Peter does here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, everything that we're going to look at after this verse is actually all connected to where, what, what Peter is saying here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives us reasons. So, why ought we to praise Him? Why ought we to praise Him? According, so He gives us the reasons here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the first reason why we should praise God. And I'm going to break it down. First of all, according to His great mercy... We already talked about grace. It's when we get something we don't deserve. It's a gift. We didn't earn it. He graciously gave us our salvation. And it's according to His great mercy. Ooh, what's mercy? It's the other side of that coin. It's when we don't get what we do deserve. What did we deserve? We deserved hell. We deserved the wrath of God poured out on us. And God has been so merciful. His mercy is great, like the text says. While we deserved death and hell, He was merciful to us. And it's according to this great mercy that He has caused us to be born again. That's what God has done. That's what God has done for us. That ought to cause us to praise Him, right? He's been merciful to us. And He has caused us to be born again. We didn't cause ourselves to be born again. It's not something we can just snap our fingers and make happen. God caused us to be born again. He opened our eyes. We were once blind and now we see. We were once dead and now we are alive. That ought to cause us to praise Him. Amen? He caused us to be born again. Now, all, we're, we're familiar with this idea of the new birth, and, and, and I think we find its origin there in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 3, when Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes by night. He asks Jesus, you know, how, how can someone see the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, unless a man be born again, he won't see the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be born again? It means we're made new. We are made new creatures in Christ. And Jesus said you have to be born both of, of, uh, uh, of the water and of the Spirit. And there's, uh, there's all kinds of debate about what that means. I, I understand it that we're, we're not just born physically, but we're born spiritually. We, we were once spiritually dead, and He has caused us to be born again, so we're alive again in Christ. We're new creatures. That ought to cause us to praise Him. Amen? That ought to cause us to praise Him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because He has caused us in His great mercy to be born again. To a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not a dead hope because it's not like the gods of the nations. It's not, like, it's not just some philosophy of living life. Live this way. And you'll be satisfied or what. No, it's not, it's not what Christianity's all about. It's not just following after some moral teachings. That's, that's 
We have ethical teachings in Christianity, but that's not what it's all about. It's all about the fact that He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do we know that this hope is different from all the others? Because Jesus rose from the dead. How do we know that Christianity is true and not Hinduism and not Buddhism? Because Jesus rose from the dead. That is the historical proof. Our faith is not just some kind of philosophy. Our faith is rooted in history, in space, and in time. Jesus really did come to earth. The second person of the Trinity came to earth. The Word became flesh. He dwelt among us. He lived a perfect, spotless, sinless life. And He died for our sins and He rose again. He was seen by eyewitnesses. Peter was one among those eyewitnesses. Along with Paul who saw Him on the road to Damascus. The resurrection changed Paul, didn't it? Paul was a hater of Christians. He was a persecutor of Christians until he saw the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was on his way to go persecute Christians, to drag them off to jail. And Jesus met him in his resurrected body. And Paul was changed. We have a living hope because Jesus rose from the dead. It's not a dead hope. It's not just some philosophy that some smart guy figured out. It's not just some ethical teaching. No, our hope is in the resurrected Jesus Christ. Amen? So that ought to cause us to praise Him. He's been merciful to us. He's caused us to be born again. And our hope is living. We have confidence in it. It's secure. It's not just shifting sands because Jesus rose from the dead. Next, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. He's saved us. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope and to an inheritance. That inheritance is a reason why we should praise Him. He's saved us so that we have something to look forward to. We live in this present evil age. We live in a world where where the world is hostile to us. The government can be hostile to us. But we have an inheritance to look forward to. We're looking forward to what He is going to give us at the resurrection. And this inheritance that we have is imperishable. When I think of perishable, what do you think of? I think of fruit, produce, right? And I, 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 I first, well, I first preached this text around the summer whenever the peaches were uh, really, really good. I mean, uh, we got some peaches at Wayne's Market. I just... Oh man, they just, I, I, oh man, there's got to be peaches in heaven. Okay? <laughs> I mean, they just make it, oh man, I just really, really enjoyed those peaches. But they're perishable, right? I love those peaches, but one day my daughter got one of the peaches out and she was cutting it open and she found a bug that came out. Okay? It's perishable. It's disappointing sometimes. Or 
as the season went on, the ones that in the early part were so great, so and then you know we ended up having so many of them because then somebody came and gave us some more, and we had so many we couldn't go through them all, and then some of them started to get kind of wrinkly and started to kind of smell not quite so sweet as they used to smell. They're perishable. They can be disappointing. But the inheritance that we have waiting for us is imperishable. It won't go bad. It will never be not it will never be disappointing. But it will always be perfectly satisfying to us. It is imperishable. It is undefiled. Everything that we experience in this life is defiled. It's been tainted by sin. Our relationships have been tainted by sin. You know, back at the, at the, at the curse, at the fall, uh, God told Adam and Eve uh, and, and, and the serpent, when the, ser- the snake, when, when the, the curse was given, He said that he would, uh, uh, there would, that uh, in those consequences of the fall, there was going to be a distortion of a relationship between man and woman. And part of that, um, you know, whenever it says he will rule over her, I mean, abuse will be brought into the world because of sin. All of our relationships are tainted by sin. Husbands and wives don't get along like they ought to. Human beings have, have relationships that, that are distorted and tainted by sin. And, and we have everything's been tainted by sin. We have sickness. We have coronavirus. We have cancer. We have uh, all the sickness and death that has brought, been brought in the world because it's been tainted by sin and it's been defiled by sin. We live in this broken and fallen world, but our inheritance that we look forward to, it's imperishable and it's undefiled. It's not been tainted by sin. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any pain. There will no longer be any sickness. There will no longer be distortion in the relationships between one another, but we will have perfect harmony with one another. All the tears will be wiped from our eyes. That ought to cause us to praise Him. Amen? That ought to cause us to praise Him. We have an inheritance that, is looking, that we're looking forward to that uh, many bad now. It, we live in a hostile world now. We live in this present evil, evil age now, but we are looking forward to a time whenever it is imper- we have an imperishable inheritance that is, that is uh, uh, undefiled and it is unfading. It is unfading. I like books. I've got a lot of books. Uh, my, my, I've, got a, uh, I've got a lot at home and I've got a lot in my study at, at the church. You go into my study and, and the walls are lined all the way around. And then I've got about every wall on our, on our house has got bookshelves on it. Okay. Um, we've got a lot of books. And... Uh, if you like, if, if you got a, a new book that you really, really like, okay, uh, I, there's some books that I've loved so much I've read them multiple times, and the more you read it, the more you read it, the more you read it, that cover begins to fade, and the 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 uh, uh, the, the binding starts to get weak, and the pages may start to fall out, and it fades away, right? Um, if you leave a, a nice, bright, shiny book out in the sun, 
and over the time the cover begins to fade and it's not so bright colors anymore and it fades our inheritance is unfading it will still be just as spectacular when we've been there 10,000 years than when we first began another illustration of unfading it's for you guys, it's like a, a brand new car, right? You bring this brand new car home off the lot, and sometimes you just want to go out there and sit in it and smell the leather. Turn up the, turn up the volume on the, on, the, on the sound system and just listen to it go, right? You, wanna, you, know, you get, get this new car, and, and you get your friends over, and, hey, let's come out and sit in the car. <laughs> get, just showing off this, this new car, right? But after a few miles, gets on it. And starts burning a little bit of oil. Some kind of engine knocking. A little bit of rust. Oh, I forgot about that fender bender. And it fades. It's no longer has that, 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 that sense of excitement that you had when you first brought it home, right? Our inheritance that we have to look forward to is not like that but it will always be ultimately exciting and new, just like when we've been there 10,000 years. So we have an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading, and that ought to cause us to praise Him. And it's kept in heaven for you. A couple of things here. Jesus said, store up your treasures, not here on earth, but up in heaven where thief cannot steal and where moth and rust cannot destroy. Our inheritance is kept in heaven where it cannot be touched by anything in this world. Nothing can take it. That ought to cause us to praise Him. Nothing can get to it. It's secure. It's safe. And it's kept in heaven. I love these last, these last two words. For you. It's got your name on it, right? It's kept in heaven for you. That ought to cause us to praise Him. Everything here points back to the beginning uh, in verse 3 where He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's caused us to be born again. He has an inheritance for us that will be spectacular, that will never let us down. And while we live in the midst of this present evil age, where we live with sickness, pain, distortion in relationships, a hostile government, everything like that, no, we have to look forward to, ought to cause us to praise Him in the midst of all this suffering that we live with now. And then, He says, who by God's power are being guarded? Who's the who? You! Right? He's, it's kept in heaven for you, and that you is the who who are guarded. Okay? So, think about it this way. This world is such a hard place. And there are many challenges to our faith. Hostile world coming at us all the time. And maybe we wonder sometimes, do I have enough strength to keep going? Do I have enough faith? I don't feel some days when I wake up in the morning like I even have a mustard seed of faith to keep going. When you feel like that, you remember 
It doesn't depend upon you holding on to Him because He's holding on to you who are kept by God's power. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed. Being guarded. The, the idea of there being guarded has, it's, it's the idea of having a, a garrison of soldiers all around. God sends His angels to guard us. Guard us in times of temptation, in times of, of persecution. He guards us through faith. When we don't feel like we've got a mustard seed of faith to keep on going, He guards us by giving us the faith just enough for the day to get through. He guards us through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, the Bible talks about salvation in all three tenses from the past, the present, and the future. We were saved. You can think of the time whenever you first trusted in Christ. Maybe whenever you knelt down in a church and you prayed to receive Christ and you were saved. We can talk about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He saved us by what He did when He died on the cross. He is, and the Bible also talks about how He is saving us. It's a present reality. He is saving us in the midst of all the things and the troubles of this life. He is working out our salvation. That's what we're called to do. We're work out our salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in us with the will and to do. And then the Bible talks about salvation as a future sense. And that's what he's talking about here. For he guards us through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. When he comes again. When He comes again and He raises our bodies from the dead or whether we meet Him in the air. Okay? One way or the other, when He comes, that will be our ultimate eschatological, that's end time salvation. Whenever He comes again and we see Him face to face and we are ultimately saved from all of the Things in this life, this present evil age, and from the sin that so easily entangles us. Notice also that this salvation is ready. It's just waiting. It's it's ready. It's 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 not something that he's got to work on on the way. It's ready now to be revealed in the last time. He's coming one day and He will reveal. He's going to tear the veil away. Maybe we feel like, I just don't know if if my faith is real. One of these days, while He has kept us by His power, He's going to tear the veil away and we're going to see ultimately once and for all, I've been real. Trusting in Christ. I'm going to back up here for a second. The point that Peter's been getting across in all of this is blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the point of this sermon. It's to cause us to praise Him. We are to praise Him for what He has done in Christ Jesus. He has worked among all three members of the Trinity to, to save us. He has 
caused us to be born again. Hallelujah. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He has caused us to be born again to a new inheritance that we can look forward to when in the midst of this present evil age where the world is is against us, we can look forward to the fact that when He comes, He's going to wipe away every tear and He's going to make it so that everything is renewed and restored and perfect the way it should have been if sin hadn't entered the world. Hallelujah. And we are kept by His power. When we don't feel like we can keep on going, He holds on to us. He keeps us by His power. Hallelujah. So church, in the midst of this present evil age, in the midst of hostility, in the midst of whatever you face in your life, whether it is sickness, whether it is relational, whether it is... Uh, whatever you're facing. Remember these things and rejoice. Praise Him.